0: Welcome to Holy Shenanigans. These are stories to surprise, encourage, redirect, and sometimes turn life upside down, all in the name of love. I'm your Holy Shenanigans News, Tara Lamont Eastman. I'm a creative, a feminist, and a pastor. I invite you to join me for this unpredictable spiritual adventure. is always sacred, but never stoppy. And this episode is called Rebellious Hands of Healing. In this week's Bible story, we're continuing to hear stories about Jesus, and in particular, to get to know him as a healer. This story comes from the book of Mark, chapter 1, verses 29 through 39, and it focuses on Simon's mother-in-law who is sick in bed with a fever. When they arrive at Simon's home, they tell Jesus of her illness right away. And this is on the heels of Jesus healing the man in the synagogue on the Sabbath. This is where this action of healing is seen as rebellious, as this action is prohibited by the law. On the Sabbath, you're not to heal anyone. And Simon and the disciples tell Jesus about yet another opportunity to heal. This time, the need for healing was close to home. Simon and the disciples are not quite so bold to exactly ask Jesus to heal his mother-in-law, but they do let him know that she's very ill. As I imagine this scene, I see Simon and the disciples welcome Jesus into the house and sort of kind of drop a hint about Simon's mother-in-law being sick. Jesus can't refuse the opportunity for healing. He picks up the hint that they are throwing down. Jesus goes to her, takes her by the hand, and the text says, He lifts her up, and the fever leaves her. She is no longer ill, and she is able to resume the daily activities of her life. She is restored, and in her restoration, she is able to be back to the business of directing her household. The story continues with crowds of people coming to the house, having heard of the healing in the synagogue. And they're seeking healing from all sorts of illnesses. And so Jesus does as Jesus does. And he continues to heal the many that seek him out. In this Bible story, Jesus starts his healing work in the synagogue, then moves on to a home of a friend and a disciple, and then literally heals people in the street. From the synagogue, to a home, to the street. Jesus is about the work, the rebellious work, of healing and reconnecting people. I find it interesting that in this active story of healing of synagogue to home to street, that there still is this sense of intimacy in the healings of Jesus. So many people are in need of his help, from the synagogue to a small home, to the crowds of the people in Galilee, and even at great risk, Jesus heals people, person by person, ailment by ailment, need by need. Jesus takes each person by the hand and lifts them up so that they can be reconnected and whole in their synagogue, in their homes, and in the community. And while the scribes saw Jesus as a rebel for taking this healing action, Jesus helps people. Jesus knew that illness or differently-abled people in that time were separated from community and relationship, specifically because of illness. In this time, the mere presence of an illness or a condition was understood as a penalty or punishment of wrongdoing of a person or that person's family member. So Jesus takes action to reconnect people, and he heals people. Not only helping each person feel and become well in their own bodies and minds, but to heal and reconnect them in relationship to their house of worship, their family, and the greater community. Which makes me wonder if this is why, besides his compassion, that Jesus healed people in all three of these places, to make a point in the synagogue, in your home, and in the street. Perhaps Jesus is saying to those that oppose him, God's healing can and will happen where it's needed. Healing can't be delayed because of your limits. Jesus is rebellious, and Jesus has compassion on people. St. Augustine said, Since you cannot do good to all, You are to pay special attention to those who, by accidents of time or place or circumstance, are brought into closer connection with you. Perhaps Jesus is calling us, as we hear this story of healing and connection, to take part in receiving and giving space for healing and connection with whomever and wherever life takes us. Which brings me to this week's Holy Shenanigans story about, you guessed it, healing and connection. There's a hymn in the Lutheran hymnal by Marty Haugen called All Are Welcome. The first verse of the hymn goes like this. Let us build a house where love can dwell and all can safely live. A place where saints and children tell how hearts learn to forgive. Build of hopes and dreams and visions rock of faith and vault of grace. Hear the love of Christ shall end divisions. All are welcome, all are welcome, all are welcome in this place. This week, I shared this hymn via Zoom with some grade school students who are preparing for their first communion and learning about welcome. This hymn was written in 1950, long before the impacts of COVID-19. But this hymn introduces the idea of building a house of love. And in 1950, perhaps this place might have been limited to a physical building. However, the hymn helped be a starting point, a jumping off point for the students to start talking about how to feel welcome and welcome others in the church. In later verses of this hymn, it travels beyond... Wood and stone and roof and rafter, and speaks of welcome to all people in all places, kind of like the synagogue, the home, and the community, like the Bible story I mentioned earlier, which leads me to wonder how can all spaces where worship, how we worship God, the homes we live, and the communities we work become places known for healing and welcome? Some might say that this is a pipe dream but sometimes I find myself surprised by the hand of healing that shows up in moments where the spirit of God gives hope, healing, and, well, holy shenanigans. Not long ago, a friend of mine was looking for a new church home, and this friend lives thousands of miles away, but I thought there might be a way for me to help them in their search and connect them to an ELCA church in their area. And so I went to Google. I found three options that I thought might work, and I started making some cold calls. And this is how those cold calls went. Church number one. Ring, ring. Hello, this is so-and-so church. How can I help you? I gave my name and asked if I could speak with a pastor, and it turned out I was already doing so. They went on to help me with my questions and shared the names of a few other churches that might be a good fit for my friend. In this time of pandemic, I wasn't sure if a person would pick up, but a person did, and the pastor did, and they were kind and caring and helpful. After talking for quite a while, I hung up and I thought, wow, that was a wonderful conversation. So church number two, ring, ring. I got the answering machine and I left a message. Church number three, ring, ring. I got the receptionist, who took a message and promised a call back. And believe it or not, the pastor, less than eight miles from my friend, called me back later that day. They answered my questions, and they even set up a plan to reach out to my friend. Success! But before the conversation ended, the pastor asked me, What is the name of your church? I'd like to add you and your church to our prayer list It's been challenging to be a pastor in a pandemic, hasn't it? Yes, pastor. Yes, it has. I wasn't just thankful for the help that they were going to try to give my friend. I was thankful for the help that they gave me in that moment of compassion. And with the task complete, I hung up. And I thought this task was done, but it wasn't quite done. Later that night, the pastor from the second church that I had called and left a message at called me back, and while in a few minutes I learned that this church was way too far for my friend to travel to, she asked if I'd been able to make a connection for them, and when I told her yes, they were delighted. They said, "'Oh, wonderful! That pastor is a dear colleague. They have such a compassionate heart. This will be a good connection. By the way, will it be okay if I continue to pray for your friend on my personal prayer list?' "'Yes.' Yes, pastor, that would be great. There are those words, this will be a good connection, that were spoken to me. They reminded me of Jesus in the synagogue, the home of Simon, and in the city of Galilee, healing and reconnecting people wherever he went. Each person I spoke to that day on the phone not only helped me with my questions, but they held space of healing and hope for my friend, and for me. Can I pray for you? What's your name? How's it going being a pastor in a pandemic? Each question was more than just a question. Each and every conversation on the phone that day was a word of compassion. And these words took me by the heart and the hand, and they lifted me up. So when I make a plea for spaces of healing, and it's tist-tist as impossible, I will beg to differ, because this week I encountered space of healing and connection outside of the space of worship through three phone calls, thousands of miles away. Remember how this story started with teaching a song over a Zoom class for First Communion? In one of our Zoom lessons, we were talking about things that could make us feel crabby, And I shared a point of frustration, the struggle to accomplish things that need to be done in a world of a pandemic where the needs are always changing. And before anyone could respond with words, one student raised their little hand up high and made a sign with their hand. They boldly held up their hand, pointer, index, and ring finger folded towards the palm, and the thumb and the pinky standing straight up. The thumb pointed to them, and the pinky pointed to me. On the Zoom screen. Their mom noticed my confusion and explained the sign. Oh, this is the sign for connected. We learned to use it on online school. Whenever someone shares something that we have felt or experienced, we're encouraged to make the sign connected. Wow. In that moment, I was encouraged and felt a sense of connection. A young person and I, and even though our situation and experience is different, still had a connection. In this Zoom meeting, we were able to support and encourage each other. Since then, the sign of connected is one that I have added to my Zoom vocabulary. And once again, I call out a moment of connection, of healing, and holy shenanigans. Here are some questions to ask this week if there is ever or was ever a season for healing and reconnection this is it from our houses streets zoom screens and gathering places where we are not yet able to gather in the way that we gathered pre-covid we still are connected healing can travel over thousands of miles through phone calls and zoom screens and prayer in all of this and more we are still Connected. I know that it's hard to see the potential for healing and connection, but what if God is calling us to be first into extending this hand of connection and healing? What is a simple way for us to extend this kind of connection in a time where so many people are feeling disconnected? If we need a space for healing, where and who? Have we asked to extend a healing hand to us? Wherever life takes us, there is room and need for healing and connection there. Imagine if healing and connection was just as common as blades of grass, the gentle falling of thousands of shimmering snowflakes, and those rocks that we kick on the side of the road. What if instead of kicking those rocks down the road out of frustration or saying that connection is not possible, what if we use those rocks to build a place of healing and connection instead? This week's poem is called Stand. One, two, three, four. What do I stand on a rock for? Five, six, seven, eight. I stand for God's love. Don't hesitate. We've been blessed with hearts bold and stout, worthy, strong. We've been called by love our whole lives long to stand for love, justice and grace. Everywhere we go, mercy all over the place. Wherever it is a rock you see, that is the place for love to be. This is the place for love to be. You are the place for love to be. and out with songs of praise, never ending for all our days lived, shared, generous, true, love. Wherever we go, love is calling you. Stand. One, two, three, four. What do we stand on a rock for? Five, six, seven, eight. We stand for love. Don't hesitate. My name is Tara, and this is Holy Shenanigans. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Unpredictable Spiritual Adventure that is always sacred but never stuffy. For more information on this podcast, please send your messages to Holy Shenanigans Podcast at gmail.com.